You are listening to the Jesus Teacher Can Me podcast. Thank you for joining us today as we embark on episode 15, as we continue the conversation from last week. Uh, we talk about Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, uh, Life Together, as we look at uh, confession and communion or confession and community and the freedom that, that comes with that. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Jesus, Dietrich, and Me. I am Tyler. Uh, across from me is Pastor Hill. We are at uh, Christ Our Savior Lutheran Church. Uh, so shout out to those of you who uh, who listen to us that that attend Christ Our Savior, uh, that, that support us and have been listening to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, we're here on a Wednesday, uh, and I think we're both a little... Uh, I saw on social media, Pastor Hill... Uh, <laughs> That we are experiencing a debate hangover. Is that uh, just not really, not really sure. Debate what, shock. Yeah. yeah, debate shock. Yeah, not really sure where where to go off uh, go next. Um, but uh, I, I think as as we continue this conversation with uh, accountability, uh, confession, I think it's probably a good time to talk about confession uh, as we. So we're going to continue that conversation today uh, as we look at uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book Life Together. Uh, we have we've been we talked a little bit about that book before, um, and we've talked a little bit uh, about this particular chapter, uh, chapter five about confession and communion with one another, community with one another. Um, so we're going to continue that discussion today. Last week uh, we talked about number one why why is confession and communion important uh, with one another. Uh, what are what are the obstacles that that we that we en- endure uh, because of because of um, of this? What is it that Satan lands in our way or puts in our way to make sure that we don't have community with one another, that we're not able to confess? Um, we talked about transparency, right? We talked about the importance of of being being vulnerable, being broken, being uh, being willing to share what is going on, what is truly going on in, in your life, uh, no matter how hard th- that can be. And then last week as we kind of got to the end of that conversation we briefly talked about accountability uh pastor hill uh, made me discuss my hierarchy of people in my life uh and i I mentioned that you know i've got a certain you know there's a certain group of people that i have in my life that i will tell things to things that that i don't share with everybody else um people that are even outside that are that are not my wife and i think that's also important that we we'll probably talk about that in a minute but um, it's important to have these, if you are a male, to have other men in your life that you can do this. It's important if you are a female to have other women in your life that you can that you can communicate that to. Um, so this is generally gender specific, by the way, because y- the mixing genders and accountability. Yeah, it's t- not usually a good idea, um, and that's that's just because God made men and women different. Uh, that might shock some of you, <laughs> but God made men and women different, and. And so men relate differently to men than they do to women. So it's, you know, it's, yeah, so it's, it's important to be very, yeah, to be very gender specific. So if you are a female, find a, a woman uh, that's in your life that you're close to, to be, ha- to be an accountability partner. If you're a man, find a, find another man in your life to, to have be, to be your accountability partner. So as we kick off that idea of accountability, uh, Pastor Hill, you mentioned we were talking. Oh, wait, wait, I have to ask you a question. Oh, okay. How long have you been married? I have been married for. Let's see. Oh, I it love is, that worldly side. It is. Uh, it is uh, September thirtieth. So in ten days, it will be October 9th, which will mean that it will have been one year and eight months. So you haven't yet learned this lesson. I'm telling you here before you tell about uh, Paul and. Okay. Yeah. It's. There'll be a day when there'll be things you need to talk over with a brother. That you oh, haven't told you your, haven't wife, told your and wife, you yet. may never tell your wife, and maybe you shouldn't tell your yeah. wife. Yeah. Well, I think I think I've I've done a little, not a little bit of that, maybe. Uh, yeah. Certainly, I mean, a little bit with you, a little bit with uh, a couple other friends. There. I guess those would be the brothers. Uh, Sometimes but, uh, you need the brother to help you to figure out how to. T- I'm saving myself here. <laughs> how to talk to your wife about whatever it is you haven't. Right. Talked to about. Right. Not that I've got all these things. Not a, not that I have all these secrets. Uh, but there, <laughs> thank you. Uh, all these, and, I, and it's not to say that you know. Oh, you should keep secrets, you know. But then tell your you know your the people in your life first. Tell your accountability partner first. 
but no, there are certainly hard, there are difficult things to to talk to, talk about, to bring up, and that's where you enter the Paul or the Silas in your life. So that's where we're going to start. Pastor Hill and I were we're talking off uh, off air before we uh, hit record on this. And uh, Pastor Hill, you mentioned that it's important for each person to to have a Paul, each person to have a Silas, and each person to have a Timothy in their life. Can you yeah. can you kind of expand on that a little bit for our people it's out there in listener land? Yeah, it's the idea. It's a little bit more than accountability. It's important to have a Christian brother who is um, ahead of you in the path, who who is. Uh, maybe experience more of life has more uh, a deeper root rooting in scripture someone who can you can talk to about something and and then he can speak Christ into you and you accept it as as a, a relationship would be a mentor uh, so you're speaking he he's speaking and you're receiving uh, in a mentorship kind of way and the other the bottom up part of that is that you should seek to have a Timothy in your life. There is someone in your life, probably somebody in your life who's uh, uh, younger in the faith, has just begun, who uh, needs encouragement, who may need your words spoken into their lives to help them over some of the the hurdles. And then we said Paul, you need a Paul in your life, a Timothy in your life, you need a Silas. Hmm. And the Silas is somebody in Paul's life who could look him in the eye and tell him off when he was being a jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes me think of the debate last night. I was just going <laughs> to say. Could look at you with Christian love and tell you, you're full of it today, buddy, um, and uh, get off your high horse. And uh, the... Um, the example in Acts is when Paul had it with John Mark and uh, mm-hmm. wouldn't take him back. And it was yep. Silas who spoke the truth. It didn't work out so well, but he spoke the truth eye to eye to Paul. So uh, that's a kind of a deliberate kind of discipleship path. Somebody who you can uh, have discipling you, someone whom you are discipling that that just means leading people to walk along with Christ and somebody who is a fellow disciple who who you can lean on uh, in times of trouble and count on to do what to tell you the truth you the when truth it's when you need yeah. to hear the truth and we don't always like to hear the truth um yeah, that's certainly had issues. I certainly had issues. Certainly had points in my life where I've had people that have said to me um, like, are you even like? Do you even hear uh, this? I've heard this. Or do you even hear yourself right now? And mm-hmm. like, you're you're speaking out of your, <laughs> not your mouth. Yeah. And another uh, orifice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and you just kind of think back and you kind of review for a minute, and you're like, wow, you know, that was because my initial reaction is, first of all, what are you even ta- like? Why are you talking to me? like that this doesn't concern you something along those lines and then once you kind of realize what is happening and i think that's why it's important to kind of set that up ahead of time Mm -hmm. um where you say hey you know so and so will you i need you to be my silas i need you to be you know that person that when i'm getting out of line when i'm when i'm turning into uh (laughs) Because we we deal with this in the Lutheran church sometimes. I know I've had my my fair share of it, and and being it, you're being a Lutheran bully. You're 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 talking about all of these things, and you know what? You may be right, but you're not doing it in in a way that is that is that is positive. You're not doing it in a way that's enlightening. You're actually being a jerk, and you need to knock it off. And uh, you know, and you're, the initial reception of that might be, "Who are you to tell me?" But then you remember, "Oh yeah, I." <laughs> I asked you to, to be that person just so that you know that it's that it is coming from love it is coming from it's not it's not trying to escalate the situation it's coming from a place of trying to calm you down so that you don't uh, so that you continue to reflect Christ in all that you say and do yeah so these are not these are not 
yeah, their job descriptions, yeah, but you don't hire somebody to do this. You develop these relationships right. over time. And because of love and trust, the, si the Silas can say things to you that, that uh, yeah, as you react to it, uh, as you describe. Uh, but in the background, you know, well, wait a minute, the only reason he's saying this is he Be loves me. Because he loves even me. If, even if he's wrong, most likely he's not wrong, right. but even if he's wrong, he's speaking to you out of love. So I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Ready? Ready. Yeah. Do I have two minutes to respond? No. Uh, you talk about the devil putting, you talked about the devil putting up barriers uh, between us and, well, I'm going to use my words, true community, true mm -hmm. Christian brotherhood. Um, I think uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer would tell you, tell me, that the principal barrier is not something Satan puts down in front of you. You are the principal barrier yourself. Your pride, your sinful nature wants to self-justify and uh, excuse everything. And oh, I want a relationship with a Christian brother that tells me everything I do is okay. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> And even when I know it's not okay, I want him to say, oh, well, you're forgiven, because yeah. I understand. Yeah, I was say, yeah, I understand why you did it. Not necessarily, hey, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, so it's our own, it's our own pride that uh, keeps us from uh, this kind of, um, of truth. So today we were doing a senior Bible study. Tyler was in the back, and a woman at the well, and... Uh, there was a moment of accountability there, even though Jesus and the woman didn't really have a formal relationship. When he said to her, go call your husband and come back, what did mm -hmm. she say? I have no husband. Which is <laughs> Which sort, is of sort of big true. time camouflage yeah. for the truth, right? Yeah. So yeah. Very, very, <laughs> yeah, I don't have a husband. Okay. It's like, uh, like tech okay, I guess technically. No, yeah, that's exactly right. what Jesus did yeah. to her. You're okay. right. Yeah, you're right when you say that. But here, let me tell you how about those five other guys and then uh, the man that you live with right now, that's actually not your husband. And then he says, what you said is What you said is true. true. Yeah. Yeah, her purpose wasn't truth. Her purpose was uh, yeah. to, to camouflage the truth. And mm -hmm. I don't know that she, I'm sure she heard from all of her other fellow um villagers how wretched her lifestyle was sure but she, you know at that moment when he spoke christ spoke the truth right to her face was a, i don't know that she would have ever have grasped the enormity of of uh, her choices until she was confronted right. by him right for sure and uh well because it's not until you're confronted by truth that you realize that you're that you've been living a lie i think um, yeah. You know the the truth of the gospel because you've been living the lie of sin. Um, you know, and I, I think this is a good story of that. She's trying to camouflage Jesus, <laughs> uh, for lack of a better term, hits her over the head with uh, with the truth. You know, and she's. I mean, you showed the the video clip. I don't know which Jesus film that was. Uh, or gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke. And uh, he's uh, is that the guy that the guy that plays Jesus? Is that the guy that's in Lost? I wouldn't know who was on Lost. Oh, sorry, okay. <laughs> sorry. Um, but uh, you know the the woman's face when he says this to her, she's she's really kind of playing it off, like, oh, let me ch tell me where I can get this living water. And you know, it doesn't it it play it, the play the way that it played out in the show was completely different than how I had played it out in my head when you just read it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's why well, that was a little you know she was kinda, challenging kinda, him. Oh yeah, she was for sure. And. And real, I mean, just really, almost. That's to me. That's like, okay, she's doubling down on her camouflage, like you know. And now, and then he just goes, "Okay, I'm going for the, I'm going in." You well, know, yeah, bang. I'm going in and pulling out your dirty, filthy, right. sinful heart, and I'm going uh -huh. to go right from here. Yeah, <laughs> see, like, look at this. Look at this. this is actually who you are, uh, uh, and then yeah. this is why you know. And you're waiting for the Messiah, and I am He. I am the truth. I am the she, way, the truth, she, and the life. She could have rejected that, or she mm -hmm. could have reacted positive accepted that and I would appear that she did yeah yeah I, I sometimes say I wish in the gospels particularly in the gospel of John that it had stage notes so that <laughs> yeah so for instance John 3 Nicodemus says how can I man climb back into his mother's womb and be born a second time <laughs> right 
stage <laughs> notes which said, said sarcastically. <laughs> right. Yeah, but uh, just just the surface of the words, we don't really know how they were spoken. So the whole idea, I think, because I'm I'm trying to I'm circling, uh, is this the barrier to true fellowship is not the other, but ourselves. What keeps us from Christ is not the other; it's ourselves. So uh, Dietrich said there in in that uh, Life Together book, one is a brother to another only through Jesus Christ. So. What does he mean? He says, only through what Jesus Christ did for me and to me, mm-hmm. and only because of what Jesus Christ has done for him and to him, can we have the true Christian brotherhood relationship. Uh, in other words, we have to see each other uh, through the lens of Christ. Right. And uh, even more than that, we have to see each other as Christ sees us. And so our tendency is to try to see each other through kind of a selfish, worldly lens rather than Christ. And so you're not being authentic with yourself or with your brother until that's all stripped away and it's only you and him and Jesus. Well, and I I think, so in my, my seminary class, I've got a lot of, lot of guys that are in the class and uh guys from all over the country and many of them have you know they're very they're very good at uh with evangelism and speaking with uh, non-christians and and talking with people and having building relationships with people um you know and one one of my one of my uh probably say buddies here um that's in my class you know he he's told me multiple times you know i've got you know, atheist friends. I've got, you know, friend, you know, Muslim friends. I've got, you know, you know, all these different, all these different friends that aren't Christians. And, you know, and we're, it's a great, you know, it's, it's you know, we, we enjoy spending time together. We have wonderful conversation, you know, and I, I genuinely, I genuinely love them. And, you know, and, and, you know, and I share my faith and they share theirs. And, you know, and I talk with them about the importance of, of my faith. And, you know, and it, it it's you wouldn't he, he wouldn't pick one of those guys to be his accountability partner because they're not at that point in life they're not Christians and because you know if if, if you're confessing your sin to somebody you are confessing with the goal of what to be absolved, be absolved. to be to to have that confession heard and to receive. Uh, receive forgiveness in that in in that moment for that and um, and because it's not our forgiveness we talked about this before because it's not our forgiveness to give it's Christ's forgiveness if the person that you're confessing this to does not believe in Christ does not see you in the way that that Christ sees you do you, you know that it's they're not going to be able to offer that forgiveness that you're seeking well, the world can offer you, um, well, it can offer you condemnation for what you did mm-hmm. when you're talking to, uh, unfortunately, sometimes Christians. But to to a non-Christian, they can either excuse you or they can condemn you. Right. And uh, but they can't forgive you. Not truly forgive you. No. So he goes on to say this. I think I think this is weighty. He knows that the person, the Christian brother knows that God's word in Jesus Christ pronounces him guilty even when he does not feel guilty and he knows that God's word pronounces him not guilty and righteous even when he does not feel that he's righteous at all that's the whole sinner saint thing isn't it mm-hmm. um, can we do wrong and not feel guilty about it all the time, uh, right? Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to... Uh, because we, we excuse it, right? Uh, circumstances uh, make it all right for me to call you a name or to uh, you know, talk behind your back or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and then I excuse myself. I don't feel guilty because he, she, her, it, it uh, deserved it. Right. Okay. 
but more often, especially family God, what we have more often to confront is people who feel they are guilty and condemned and uh, have trouble accepting the second part of this, that God's word pronounces you not guilty mm-hmm. and righteous even when you feel just the opposite. Right. Um, we let feelings dominate all too much of our lives. Yes, we do. And so, if I feel guilty, then I can't accept forgiveness. Right. I won't accept forgiveness. And that's where the brother's role comes in, because it's his job um, to speak God's word, not his word, or uh, psychological platitudes, but he's to speak God's word of forgiveness directly into the heart of the one who will not believe that he's uh, forgiven for his sin. And and conversely, he needs to speak the law directly into the heart of the person who hasn't uh, accepted the fact that he's sinned. Right. And, uh, yeah, it says that he doesn't, yeah, even if even if he doesn't feel, he's he's pronounced righteous, even if he doesn't feel like it. And I I, I think, yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, I don't want to get in trouble here either. Uh, God doesn't care about your feelings. Is that, do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, I would say your feelings come out of your heart, and your heart is and sinful. And your heart is and sinful wicked. and deceitful and desperately sick. Yeah. Um, Following yeah, your feelings I is the worst life advice you could give someone. I don't. Yeah, follow, you know, I, so I shouldn't follow my heart. No. If my heart is telling me to do something. Um, yeah, well, I mean, and even even when, I mean, Satan loves to take your feelings and use that as authority. And because, it, and I think it's because secular Christian, Christendom mm-hmm. <laughs> has, uh, they've made that about your feelings when you go to worship oh i i just i felt in such a worshipful place today i i felt just felt so good in church this morning it felt I so felt good the gospel yeah, i felt the i felt spirit. i felt so uh, like the like spirit's not there when you don't feel <laughs> right you right i'm like and and those are you know and and that's and that's fine um because i love being in worship i i feel great when i go to worship but when i let when i let that dominate i'm not going to I go to worship, and one of the things that happens is I feel good, but it's because I have received forgiveness. It's because I'm with people that I love. It's because I get to worship Jesus, but that's not why I go to worship, right? That's not why we go. We go to receive what God has given to us. We go to receive his word, to receive his sacrament, and, and but we, we Satan loves to play on those feelings. So we we see a lot of people leaving the church because I didn't feel I didn't I just I didn't feel right. You know, it's I don't feel good when I worship there. I don't I don't I don't like the I don't like the way that the pastor preaches. I don't like this, I don't like that. And if you're you know, if you're listening to this and you've left your your you know, your, your church because of that, you know, that that's that's you know Shame that, on you. Well I would say yeah, I mean it's that's that's not the right reason to leave. Let's we'll just leave it that way. Well, there's um, a very thin line, a very thin line between proper kind of worship and a kind of worship that makes it all about me. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a form of idolatry. I go here because the music speaks to me, <laughs> the pastor's words speak to me, the the whole uh, aura of the church speaks to me, and. Uh, that's not why it, you were there. Well, you've, now you've just made worship about you. Yeah. And you don't go to church for you. You go to church for God. Um, but like I said, Satan, kind of bringing this full circle here, uh, Satan loves to play on those feelings. So he actually will use those feelings to lead you away from the church, to lead you to another church that might make you feel good, but is teaching you all the wrong things or teaching you things that, or there, or is or is lacking in teaching you things. So you're lacking hearing the law. You're lacking hearing the com, you know the the complete gospel. You're lacking hearing the body and blood of Jesus shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And I um, mean, how many people do we know that have left the Lutheran church and gone to non-denominational churches? But they're not. They go there, and now when they receive, I wouldn't even call it the sacrament, but they're they're not receiving. They're not receiving the. They're not receiving that in the in the tangible way that they do in a 
in a Lutheran church. And it's all right; they wouldn't call it a sacrament in that church. Right. Well, well, exactly, exactly. And you're you're just you're missing out on on the greatest thing that that God has given to you, which is Himself. And you're okay with that because you feel good when you're there. And you know, and I've always said, you know, when when I preach, I I like to make people feel uncomfortable. I want people to feel you know, get, get, get squirmy a little bit and just kind of go, oh man, like, uh, you know, like when, when the people hear the, you know, Peter's sermon at Pentecost and it says that they were cut to the heart, you know, you should feel cut to the heart by the law. That's what the law does. The law kills you, but we don't like that. And it hurts our feelings when that happens. And that's exactly what Satan wants us to, where he wants us to be is to be determined and to have, uh, and to, place authority in in our feelings and follow those feelings because it's going to lead you a, away from Jesus. That's a long way around. I'm sorry for that's rambling. Fine, that's but let, let's, let's take a step and a half or two back. And, and so the depth of what we're talking about is not found in, is not going to be found in a church community where everybody spends an hour together two or three times a month mm-hmm. and then they're lives are completely independent of the church you will never be able to build the kind of uh, Christ-centered relationships um, and in fact the whole sorry the whole system is is I almost want to say design but that's wrong is requires you to be a hypocrite to Mm. be in the church to camouflage your sin to conceal from everybody else your brokenness and uh, certainly don't want to go letting anybody know that you uh, are hurting inside. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're really talking about is the kinds of relationships that are built as part of the invisible church, um, perhaps in small groups or, or in whatever other venues, but in the larger formal context of the uh, the the physical or visible church just not possible mm-hmm. so where do you go to get what you really need as far as being relieved of the burden of your sins and, and there's certainly the sacraments and confession and uh, absolution but us, I would say all of us need something more more uh, tangible sometimes so when our sin is not a generic sin to us, but it is alive and, and eating us alive, um, we need more. We need our brothers, or we need our sisters. Yeah, well, I would I would add to that. You know, forgiveness is God promises to 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 make Himself known to give us His gifts. Uh, you know, like you said, and certainly in the Word and Sacrament. And but so many of us, first of all, churches, many the common practice for churches. I mean, family of God gives communion every Sunday, but the common practice for churches is what every other Sunday. Yes. So you're gonna get forgiveness for your sins twice, twice a month. <laughs> so may, maybe three times a month, um, depending on what service you go to. Uh, you know, and and you can receive that forgiveness, receive that absolution, whenever you w- want, because you can go and confess to that person. You can go and hear. God's word, which God is speaking through that person, and you know, rather than just having it sit with you until okay, I'm going to go to church on Sunday, or wait until uh, you know, wait until I'm at church to confess. And God gives us other means to be able to do that, and He gives us He gives us our brothers and sisters to be able yeah. to to do that, and He He makes Himself known, and and uh, when you know when we when we hear confession, when we speak absolution. It's as if you are you are standing in the place of Christ in that moment. So uh, try not to get you know defrocked or anything. But the <laughs> the, the structured church um, in its normal progression leads you in the path of cheap grace uh, instead uh, of yes. costly grace. Um, and so I go through the motions, the system tells me I'm okay and then I go out unchanged into the world right. and come back in a week or two and get another fix of 
of uh, God loves you just the way you are. And he doesn't really want you to change. Okay. You don't need to change for God. Right. Well, and that's that's true, but that gets taken out of that gets taken out of what that actually means. You don't need to change yourself to come to God. But God will God will change you and not leave you as you are. I don't think I don't think that's heresy for you to say that. Well, I know, but it the reality is that in many cases people come and uh, the fellowship is all about anything but costly grace is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Costly grace includes uh, bearing your soul to your brother that like we've been discussing, being honest with each other. Um, so we're talking about confession now for a second. It means when I offend someone I'm to go to them and do what? Apologize, repent. Yeah. Ask them why they're so sensitive. <laughs> Teasing. Give, give, them, give them a Hollywood apology. Yeah. I'm so sorry you feel that way about yeah. what I did. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And then there's also structure or strictures in Scripture about what to do when your brother has offended you. Um, you know, when you go to your brother, right? What's the next step when he rejects you? Yeah, then you go with him with two, and then go with to him with is it three or f- I don't know the is and it you end up taking it to the church, yeah. right? But the second step is you bring. It's more than just bring two or three others. It is bring two or three others who um, both of you, the offended and the offender, you know, have confidence uh-huh. or mm-hmm. trust, and let them be the uh, mediators. Um, but it's a relentless process until the brother is uh, repentant. That it, it, the process keeps going until finally you're uh, separated from the church. Unfortunately, with, with the intention of that, the, the severity of that is meant to bring you back to your senses. Yeah, so I draw you to repentance. I right. confess my sins to someone that I've really offended or I uh, go and confront somebody lovingly uh, Christian lovingly uh, who has offended me but there's a third kind when I think when James says confess your sins to one another is the kind of uh, confession where I'm not offending person or offender rather I'm telling you about as a brother about a sin either that's troubling me or was committed against someone else um, and more importantly than that where I am so deeply troubled by what I did that I can't just accept the pastor's you know t- his words of absolution to uh, forgive me you you need sometimes um, I'm going to go two ways with this. Sometimes you need to go sit down with your pastor face-to-face and talk it through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is what I did. Sounds very Catholic, doesn't it? <laughs> this is what I did. I, I know God's Word says that if I confess my sins, He's faithful and just to forgive my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Uh, but we're back to the early thing. But I just don't feel forgiven right and that's when he the pastor is to speak for God with God's word into you uh, actually he should be calling you to repent for your uh, faithlessness and I believe in God's word uh, but to, to lead you to accept the forgiveness of, of Christ and in the another uh, uh, switch over from that would be sometimes in the accountability brother to brother thing, you you need someone who is going to uh, hear your confession or hear your uh, inability to accept forgiveness and again speak God's word into you. Um, it really puts you on the spot. Do you believe the word of God or not? Yeah. And uh, that's a difficult None of us want to put ourselves in those positions. So even in our churches where there's um, 
individual confession, Lutherans are not lining up and flooding the zone, so to speak, with right. opportunity. I, I, I'm 57th in line to talk to pastor on Saturday. But, um, I'm glad we don't have that. Well, it has its place, and some sure. you know, some church pastors, our pastors are very, very faithful in uh, offering that, but yeah, nobody wants the pastor to think badly of them. No. Um, yeah, and I, why well, I've I've been, you know, we've been doing a little bit of catechesis with a young man at at our church, and I had this conversation with him uh, last night because it was very evident to me that he was, when I would ask him questions, that he was trying to, he was trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to hear, what it was that would make me happy, and I I said to him, I said. I don't, I, I don't want you to give the answer that you think that I want to hear. I said, I, because at that point you're guessing or you're hiding what you actually, f- and if, if I said, if you don't know this, it, like, so what happens if you guess right and you actually don't know, then you don't, then you don't learn. So it's like, if you, if you're, if you're shielding yourself from your pastor because you think he's going to, f- you think he's going to, f- you know, think, you know, differently or feel, you know, think poorly of you. He he's been put in that position to do that. Not think poorly of you. He's been get put in that position to bring you forgiveness from Christ. That's what his call is. That's what that's what that's what you. That's what it also says he's there to lead you from darkness to light. Right. Out of patterns. Right. But if you don't. Right. But if you don't confess that to him, and he doesn't know that, he can't be held responsible. Well, I guess he can. I'm gonna tread there, but. He, he's you're making it very difficult for him to do that when you when you're hiding that or you're you're putting on this this facade that you've got your stuff together when he knows darn well that something's bothering you but he just doesn't know what it is so rather than hiding it from him or giving him the answer that he that you think he wants to hear be be vulnerable um, because what you find is that hearing the word of God, hearing grace and truth from another person hits you a little bit different than when you read it or you hear it either in a corporate setting or when you read it in God's word. It, when you when it's spoken to you from an individual person, particularly a pastor in an individual confession absolution setting, it, it, it <laughs> we, we just talked about this, you feel different, right? You, it just, it, it, it hits you a different way. And the, the reality of this though is that you know whether you accept that forgiveness or not. That that's really not contingent on on what what you think about it. God has already He's forgiven you one way or another, and He's already He's you are forgiven. And it's it's are you putting your faith and trust in that forgiveness, or in the person of or Christ yeah, that has given you that forgiveness? Forgiveness is given. Are you receiving it? Yeah. So. So he says also here. I think a, a powerful thing. Um, that when, when we publicly, and I don't mean in front of the church, oh <laughs> God, when we express to our brother out loud, you know, take that sin, dirty, filthy sin, and flop it on the table between you, um, it liberates you. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the very thing, this I'm speaking from my experience, the very thing that keeps you from wanting to be in this kind of relationship accountability relationship uh, the fear the reality is that's liberating um, when somebody knows you for who you truly are and s- truly are and still and still loves you and accepts you uh, that's altogether different than that same person loving you accepting you because he buys your camouflage <laughs> um, it's kind of I'm probably misusing this but uh, you know, Jesus says, the, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. And so when you express a, a, a besetting sin uh, and uh, put, it, put it out between you and uh, a brother or brothers to help them, help have them help you deal with it, um, it's lost its power. Yeah, I was just going to say that, that it loses its power. Uh, Bonhoeffer writes that too. Um, and he, he also says, uh, 
right before that he talks about you know how confession you know, it brings that light of the gospel which breaks the darkness and the seclusion of the heart and confession leads to forgiveness confession um yeah i i like i like i like that word it liberates you it it sets you free um because it's no longer weighing on you it's kind of like uh you know removing uh have you ever seen uh I think we were talking. We've I remember we were talking about this at Family of God, or um, because so many of our men and women have been in and out of prison. But like after you've been cuffed, and when you take the handcuffs off, what's your first thing that you do with, with your wrists? Yeah, you kind of you kind of <laughs> chafe them. Kinda, yeah, because yeah, they've been it's been chafing on you for so long, and you know, and you see this in the movies when they when the cop removes the cuffs, and you just kind of they kind of rub their wrists because oh my gosh, like they're not there anymore, and that's kind of what that is. Once you have confessed and you have received that absolution, you've received that forgiveness. I mean, you're rubbing your wrists because those those chains, those cuffs, are no they're no longer there, and they've been there for a long time, or it feels like they've been there for a long time. So he says, um, uh, in the very act of confession, I find true fellowship. What does that mean? That means I think that when you and your brother are dealing with each other and you speak the truth to him and he receives it as uh, as Christ would receive it um, then all the barriers to uh, fellowship melt away in that moment yeah um, and that's I think is is that liberation that we just talked about I I let you see the, me down to the deepest, darkest, dirtiest part, and there you are, um, still unconditionally loving me. There's so much power in that. Um, and also, uh, again, I, I had did a lot, a lot of work with men before I was a pastor. Did with uh, men's groups and uh, uh, discipleship. So many guys will say, uh, "Yeah, yeah, I, I don't need that." I don't need that. I can handle my own situation. Well, yeah, through self-deception, you can, but eventually, uh, you either become hardened to your sin, right, or it explodes in some way. Um, and oftentimes, it's the latter. Yeah, and it, it takes all kinds of forms: divorce right. or mm-hmm. alcohol or whatever whatever form you're 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 dealing with uh your sin with you know piling other sins on top of it to keep you from feeling the original pain and he says also confessing in the presence of a brother is the profoundest kind of humiliation mm-hmm. yeah humiliation's a very has a negative negative connotation yeah to I, it, I didn't well. wake up this morning saying I hope somebody will humiliate me right um, but I might say it's the profoundest kind of humility. Yeah, I was going to say he talks about the humiliation is uh, like the act of becoming humbled, right? It's yeah. that's where that, that root word is humble, and you are you're humbled and you're made human. You are right. We talk about Christ's state of humiliation, right? The I mean, he was humiliated to be sure. Um, yeah, beyond our even our. Right. Best efforts to understand how he was humiliated. It was much worse. Right. Um, but we were also uh, humiliated, humbled, uh, showing that humility in that confession, which is, I think that's important to note, too. So uh, maybe another idea that it, that's within here that we can talk about is that the brother you're speaking to, <coughs> if he has not grappled his own with his own sin. In other words, if he's living a life of uh, pretension uh, or pretended righteousness, he's not going to be prepared to meet you uh, at your uh, deepest point of need because to do so would mean he'd have to strip away everything that that Mm -hmm. he's using to hide himself from you and everyone else. So this is something between... It's like two broken men can come together and heal each other through Christ. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not um, 
not uh, open to hearing or being known for my own sin, I'm not going to be able to bridge the the horror of of your sin. You have to have these, Tina. Yeah, Bonhoeffer saying you have to have accepted or be re- revolted by the horror mm-hmm. of your own sin that sent Jesus to the cross right. before you can uh, lovingly accept a brother who is also by his sin sent uh, Jesus to the horror of the cross. Sure, and that's why uh, I mean that's why Bonhoeffer says. Uh, that only only the brother under the cross can hear the confession, and we talked about that uh, a minute ago too. And yeah. what does under the cross mean? Do you think? <laughs> well, I mean, you could look at it a couple a couple different ways. Um, you know, you are at the. F- I guess I mean like it could mean like at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. You are under the cross. You are submitting yourself to the cross and the theology of the cross and the sufferings and the and the 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 putting yourself to death. Um, you know, taking up your cross. Um, you know, you could, or I think Those of are good. under the cross. I also think like six feet under. You're <laughs> actually, you're actually yeah. quite literally under the cross because you have buried yourself. You have buried the old Adam, and you are, you are, uh, you are living the life that is now isn't that is not your own, but it's Christ's. It's kind of, sort of like it. It you let the cross, um, you allow the cross to define you. Everything that's worth knowing about you um, is is uh, based on, on that crucified Christ for whom, you know, he died for me and therefore I live for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, not not something most of us want to do is be defined by our absolute necessity of being s- rescued because we're hopeful, hopeless, and uh, <laughs> that's completely unable to heal ourselves. And yeah. uh, well, because that in America would show weakness, right? I can do this myself. I can do, and that's the exact attitude that drives you away from Jesus, and right. that's the exact attitude that drives you to to idols and drives you to things that that will continue to take you away from Christ and that forgiveness being yeah. Satan wants that's exactly where he wants you to be so maybe maybe uh, the second wrap up fourth wrap up whatever it is, uh, is actually encouraged? I think this is our first wrap up so okay. I think we're so alright what I'm hoping you're going to hear is encouraging you to um, pray and uh, open your eyes and see who God is placing in your life who might be your Paul or your Timothy or your Silas um, and don't be a Clint Eastwood Christian <laughs> Clint Eastwood <laughs> never needed anybody right? No, or Chuck Norris Chuck Norris the same well he always had a sidekick but yeah we want to go yeah. it alone and are you saying that Clint Eastwood is better than Chuck Norris? with a gun <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you know, older guys, John Wayne never needed help either, oh, that's right? That's true. Um, that's, that's our image. The manly man doesn't need anyone. Um, of course, until he does. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. And then he finds out he doesn't have anyone because he's lived a life of mm-hmm. solitary, uh, self-centered uh, self-importance. That's yeah. a lot of selves. Yeah. Uh, but to to... Open your eyes, uh, accept, and it's going to take time. And when you find someone, you begin the conversation and uh, uh, learn to know each other, practice being uh, honest and uh, even vulnerable to one another. And uh, again, I think we said this last time, um, what we will find when you do that is that there will be times when you are weak and you'll need someone to come alongside you who is strong mm-hmm. and that person would be your brother uh, standing in the place of Christ and sometimes he'll be weak and you get to be the yep. the word of the God speaking into his life and together like uh, wounded warriors you're helping yourself through the battle uh, neither of you could cross the no man's land on your own, but together, um, 
you can. So in the military, we call that wingman. Maybe that'll resonate. Maybe. You know, a fighter, fighter pilot doesn't want to be out there without his wingman. Right. Same thing, tanks have, tank crews. They have tank men. The, the tank men or tank crews are in their tank, and if they're alone on the battlefield, I've said this many times, they're particularly timid because they're alone. Give that tank a wingman, and usually there's two left and right, suddenly they're extremely brave because they believe someone's looking out for them. Um, and they're not worried about somebody sneaking up on them. And uh, uh-huh. it's it's just a phenomenon uh, in 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 life that when we have wingmen, we do better. Well, as Christians, what I'm wrapping this up towards the second third wrap up is, hmm. you need a wingman, um, and I believe God uh, will put someone in your life to develop into your wingman. But you have to uh, be willing to be developed yourself, because uh, when you're the wingman for a, uh, a fighter pilot, guess what? He's your wingman too. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a master sub, uh, subservient relationship. It's a it's a team relationship. I need him. Sure. He needs me. Um, or you can get plot on through life and pretend everything's okay. <laughs> And then wish one day that you had maybe yeah, other people around you for sure. Yeah. I think that's a good place to to wrap. One of my one of my favorite movies, uh, The Mighty Ducks. Uh, the coach, Coach Gordon Bombay, says uh, ducks fly together, right? And I know you've used you've used ducks before mm-hmm. to illustrate that point. And uh, so find. I think that's our. We'll leave you with this. Um, find that person. Find that person that you can confess to. Uh, because there is liberation and freedom in in confession because confession is ultimately what leads you to uh, what leads you to forgiveness which has already been given to you mm-hmm. through through Christ and it's yours it's yours for the taking uh, it's yours for the keeping it's yours for the the changing and uh, and you will be changed by this forgiveness that comes from Christ so thank you all for listening to us today um, not sure what we're doing next week. Y'all have to be surprised. Uh, Pastor Hill is going on a much-deserved uh, vacation, and uh, so we we might do might do something a little different next week. Unsure, um, or we might take that off and give you guys a chance to hopefully catch up on on the other episodes. We can always do that too. So have a great rest of your week. Have a great weekend, and we will talk with you all very very soon. Take care. Jesus, Dietrich, and Me is a Family of God Lutheran Church podcast. We are supported by a number of different congregations in the southeastern Michigan and the mid-Michigan area. Thank you so much for being a part of this journey. Thank you for your support. Make sure, if you haven't yet, to check out FOGDetroit.com, where you can look at all the other things that are happening at Family of God. Uh, We're currently trying to update that website to have some more content for you guys. So uh, make sure that you do that. Thank you for all. I thank all of you that support the podcast. We love doing this for you, and we can't do it without you. God loves you, and so do we. Take care.